So... I was in jail and I would be talking to like uh, people with substance abuse problems because you know um, they need someone to talk to too but they're also like they got some good stories but anyway I would always they'd be like yo you ever done coke I'd be like yeah of course I've done coke and then their second question would be like did you ever bang it and I'm like what does that mean bang it they're like you know like inject it and I'm like no never no they're like oh then you then you've never done coke (laughs) cocaine hipsters yeah yeah, yeah. these guys are like, no, it's way better when it goes right into your bloodstream. Jesus. Speaking of sports washing in Manchester City and all. Um, they won the Champions League final this past weekend, and you guys ever heard of Jack Grealish? No, who is this? Oh, buddy. Like an American comparison, or a North American comparison for Jack Grealish. I don't think there is one. There's not... J.R. Smith, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Go on. <laughs> but, like, it, it's like he goes even harder than J.R. does, like... There's something so completely English about him. Yeah, it's just like every stereotype of like an English person abroad, he just embodies like even times about 10. He's just like the most like bro dude who plays in the league, like especially now in the English league where like everybody's a true professional and they treat their body right and they, you know, they stay in the house and that. Jack is just like a party boy to no end. Is he just sort of like the British guy in the season two of white Lotus. I didn't watch season two of white Lotus. I couldn't tell you. That's but, the I'm getting from, from stroll Google for sure. <laughs> but uh, after winning the uh, champions league final, he went on a three or four day bender that uh, let me give you guys a highlights real quick. <laughs> so uh, after the game, you know, he was, he was, you know, very, very happy. His first se- this was his second season at City. His first season, he felt like he didn't contribute too much. But, yeah, so he pretty much, like, led a bunch of the celebrations in the locker room. There's a very funny, uh, very funny video from his Instagram story where, like, the kit man or whatever, the guy who's in charge of the jerseys, like, slides across the floor into the wall. And you can hear Jack saying, like, watch my fucking Gucci bag, man. <laughs> and uh, they left the okay. stadium. Yeah, they left the stadium three hours later, and he has a uh, he's blasting Fleetwood Mac's. Uh, what Fleetwood Mac song was it? Uh, um, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, it was everywhere from a Bluetooth speaker, just like smashing a Heineken on the way to the bus. They get back to the hotel where there's a party. He's still drinking. He uh, gets on the stage and starts rapping. What? Yeah. He uh, wakes up the next day. Um, still, what did he rap before you go on? <laughs> he, he wakes up the next day still in his uniform. <laughs> and then uh, was then seen with his head poking out of a window on the roof of the team bus, which uh, we might have to use that photo for the, uh, for the thumbnail for this episode because it's incredible. Okay. 
I mean, uh, they, yeah, they're on their way back to Manchester. Uh, he gets on the intercom of the plane, still drinking the entire time. He has not been asleep, it looks like. Um, and he just starts like doing chants over the intercom on the plane. Uh, fans who saw him getting off the uh, plane back in Manchester, one of them tweeted, Grealish doesn't have a clue what planet he's on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then like later on uh, that day, like this is like a day before the trophy parade where, you know, they were going to send the team bus with like all the stuff they won through the city and fans get to like line up and see it. He and a bunch of other teammates go to Ibiza on a private jet. Get back in time for the trophy parade. And uh, he is still going at it. Did like, you- it, 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 I saw a video today of like him seeing a pretty girl in the crowd at the trophy parade. And he pointed at her. He's like, oh, yeah, you right there. And so like he's just like going in. And yeah, it's like we don't get players like this anymore. He is. We don't get at the top level, at least. He is. He is the last of a of a of a dying breed, I guess. And he also seems to be like a really lovely bloke. Like there's there's videos of him with him, but like he, the like one of the, the the thing he was most famous for before, apart from being like excellent at football, was have you seen the video of him at England training camp where? They're doing like a piece oh, wow. of content, and they they pull out that they're asking all the England players to identify where on a map of England they they were born, um, and they put it to him. And he goes, "Oh fucking hell, is that England?" Like he didn't <laughs> he didn't just not know where he grew up. He didn't know what a map of England looked like. Um, he's just this is like he's a beautiful doofus. He's a lovely, lovely doofus boy with like lovely doofus boy hair as well. He's got curtains. He looks like he's, he, a he's, a, he's like a like fucking platonic ideal of a himbo. Yeah, <laughs> handsome dude, just like a human golden retriever. Like yeah, yeah. Like one reporter, one reporter asked him, like, uh, yeah, your manager says you have an encyclopedic knowledge of football, and he goes, oh what? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, encyclopedic knowledge. He's like, I don't know what that means. Bear it in mind. So this guy is the Derek Zoolander. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Just like an excellent left winger who also can, you can name all the books he's ever read on like your thumb. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. But if, I love him so much, even though he plays for a team I hate. Like he's been like in a team full of like dudes who are robots and just have like all this like just kind of stuff behind him, like this dark cloud above him. He's been like the one sense of joy. Seeing him do well has been like the one sense of joy in watching them do this, you know? But not a joyful team. Yeah. It's true. You got like Erling Holland, who looks like he was built in a lab. Yeah. Just like this large Danish boy who cannot stop scoring goals. You got Rodney, who I fucking hate with all my life. You got Bernardo Silva, who I hate even more. <laughs> but again, at the. At the parade, he goes like, there's one boy, like Grealish goes like, there's one boy on his team I fucking love. And he looks homeless and then brings Bernardo Silva up with him. In front of 100,000 people. He's just, he's just completely, it's beautiful. And the tabloids have been following it. That's another reason it's such a great throwback is because the tabloids have been sort of voraciously following him with this. 
And he just was oh, okay. turning around and going like that. He's just like, yeah, I'm fucking, it's great. Like, I'm kissing my girlfriend. I'm having a great time. It's just, it's beautiful. I, I wish him nothing. There's good. one photo of him, like, on the street in, like, a fucking traffic cop's, like, uh, vest. And it's like, first of all, how the, how the fuck did he get this? Yeah. Yeah, he's just, like, pouring champagne down his throat and stuff. And, like, yeah, he's just a lovely dude. Here it is. Oh, I've never heard anyone describe it as a soup. I, I actually Googled before this. Just, I was like, let me make sure ceviche is not a soup before I start talking about it's not a soup. And like, there are different <laughs> recipes calling it ceviche soup. So I think it's more like, if anything, it's closest to a stew. A ceviche? Mm. It's like a tartare, yeah, like, if anything. Oh, it depends on how much uh, citrus juice you put in that shit. That's true, because that's what you have to cook it with, right? The citrus juice. Man, someone made the most bomb-ass ceviche in jail, bro, because they grew the herbs right in their garden. So it was elite. What's the coolest thing that you stole from Vice? The coolest thing I stole from Vice... I didn't really steal that much. Um, so there is a I time. mean, like, yeah, okay. You say yours. When I left the New York office to go to LA, uh, I did. I was like saying bye to the IT guys because my computer broke so much that I was tight with them. And I was like, can you guys like give me something cool to take? And he was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And he gave me like, uh, a USB to HDMI converter cable, which I wish I still had because those things are like pretty useful. Was it like Vice branded? No, no, it was like generic, like Amazon. That's pretty cool. We didn't even get an IT guy until we moved into the new office. And then that guy like had all the Coke at the company Christmas party. It was weird because everybody thought he was a square. And then I feel like he overcompensated by being like, hey, you guys want some Coke? Uh, Which we did. Mm. But um, there was a time when we had a big partnership with Budweiser and there was like a wall of beer in the uh, back room. And I lived really close to the office and the security code to get into the office was one, two, three, four. So I would walk in on Friday nights and walk out with like two cases of beer in each hand and uh, (laughs) go back to my apartment. I did that all summer and I don't think they noticed. And if they did, they didn't say anything. Uh, That's kind of one of the reasons I think they stopped having beer for free in the New York office too. Because I kept taking it. Yeah, you were sitting down on the bus, yeah, and just swiping our whole stash. Nah, um, because I remember sometimes they would have, like, those cans of wine. Cans of wine, you said? It's like half a bottle in one can or whatever. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we definitely had them for one, like, you know, like, company party or whatever. Like, they were barbecuing on the roof deck. And I was like, okay, cool. And people were putting those cans down, not realizing how much is in one. I think people were thinking <laughs> like they were a glass of wine instead of like half a bottle. Trey, at what point did they cut off the old blue last? Oh man, that shit smelled crazy. Um, <laughs> we found remember- out. Wait, we found out why it smelled funny. I forget exactly why. I just know it smelled funny. We learned this recently at Drew's book release party. Like, remember we talked to the bartender? 
Yeah, yeah. Shouts out, John. It was at the Bushwick Country Club, and he was like, you worked at Vice? Wait a minute. And he goes and, like, comes back with, like, a can, like, one of the last remaining cans of Old Blue Last. And he said something about how the way that it was prepared or the way that it was stored made it go rancid. (laughs) And it was, like, rancid before it even reached consumers. I believe that. It or was like, like maybe low key rancid, like slightly, slightly funky. I only like, drank because it was free. I remember them trying to charge me like six dollars for one in a bar one time. I was like, absolutely not. Oh my god, Slava just. Wait, okay, wait, no, no, no. you got to take a photo of it. This is the thumbnail for the next episode. So, speaking of things that we're very happy that we stole from Vice, I'm holding up a pair of Stan Smith Adidas that are Vice branded. And they are all white with a pink sole. And they, and I actually kind of like even missed this detail until somebody came over and pointed it out. Yeah, Old Blue Last. It was what, rancid when you got it? So apparently the marketing campaign that they decided on was contingent upon building buzz and then doing the rollout, which they didn't realize meant that a bunch of beer would be sitting in like a warehouse in Brooklyn, I think during the summer, which caused it to skunk before it hit like store shelves, bar shelves, whatever. Um, Which led to Trey saying once that old blue last is the only beer that tastes different every time you drink it. And also Trey saying that it's the only beer that tastes better warm. That's because of all the yeah. egg they put in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yo, imagine if someone was like, what if we like left a fucking three uh, entree combo from Panda Express out in the sun? And then made a beer that tastes worse than that, you know? <laughs> but man, what a great yeah. metaphor for Vice. Yeah. yeah honestly, that's not fair to Panda Express, honestly, man. Like, yeah, that pepper, <laughs> yeah, that pepper chicken fucking goes. Shout out there. Um, but like for Vice to start off and do a beer that was based on Paps Blue Ribbon which is like a really basic beer, but also like a very vice thing to be like, oh, you know that thing that's popular? Why don't we just do that, but like change it a little bit? Um, except there's failed, which is crazy. Or it was like, it was like Pabst was popular in like 2004 to seven, sort of when vice was really on the come up. And then... So in like 2014, they were like, what if we just made a beer? Do you want to talk on record about like kind of the the experience of trying to like make a make a money making media entity? Or is that like not something you're interested yeah, in? Talk- no, that's cool. Um it's important. I mean, like, it's it's like you know, it might, it might actually help me like figure my own shit out when I talk about it. So, like, I, honestly, okay. the main thing is that I feel like is really tough right now is like we are like in a place where we have like a pretty big uh, following, but it's kind of dispersed amongst like mediums in a way. So, like, we have mm-hmm. like a YouTube. YouTube is actually kind of 
not popping, but like we have a TikTok that people will sometimes like notice me or notice people from my like Nobel's from. We have um, like the the blog itself, like the Twitter account. Like sometimes like people see that like mm-hmm. first. Um, so like it's a it's a question of like how to like like do we pursue like like what's like I'm not even sure what our like thing is for like the most people right now like because like for a lot of kids like who fuck with us it's like it's like not even the articles it's just like the we'll vibe be posted up a, we'll just be like recording things at events and like post mm-hmm. we we'll like under elliot wilson we'll like be posting like some <laughs> random video from like some show and like the middle of nowhere and in, in like a rave or something and it'll like go viral or something um on some like tv i don't know um but and it's also i got i would bet it's also like hard to if you know you've got like a base that is making you go, you go viral, but it's like teenagers. It's hard to be like, Hey, why don't you give us five bucks a month or whatever when they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not the same like Substack thing. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, we can't, we could, we could start doing enough. I've been like, I have a little Patreon that's like basically just a tip jar. Like I don't really like, I'm trying to like figure out a better incentive thing, but like, um, I'm not sure, like, the, what our the appetite is for, like, pay, like, paywalled, like, Nobel's articles, like, if they even knows one yet. So, like, that's that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out right now. So, yeah. And then, I think, like, I think, like, the shows, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, it seems like one of the reasons that people fuck with y'all is that, like, you are finding, like, new interesting things which is sort of like opposed to the model of like, let's get a bunch of traffic and then sell ads against that traffic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever and thought about becoming an agency? Just being like, we're an agency now. That's how a lot of people make money. What is that? Like, what do you do as an agency? You're an agency. Like you're just a- agent. You, you like consult and like you tell like basically like, I don't know, like fucking scold chewing tobacco, like pays you money to tell them what's cool so that they can figure out oh. how to make like skull appealing to zoomers, like taking the fucking like dip cup challenge or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the dip cup challenge is yet, but you know what I mean? That's like basically, yeah, yeah. you could charge somebody 20 grand for just saying dip cup challenge. Okay, I'll keep that in mind for sure. Remember, there was a time where it was just like, oh, I work in media. My next step is TV writing because that's where the money is. Yeah. And now it's not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly. But now your next step is ice cream so good. Yum, yum. Yes. I mean, I think also that like journalists in the web era should get residuals. Like even if it's not a ton of money, like, you know, the amount of articles we've all written, like that shit adds up. And like, you know, even if, yeah. yeah, even if like, you know, someone in their thirties who's written hundreds of articles is only getting like 500 to a grand a month or something, that's still like money that like, you know, we are generating, our content is generating revenue for these media companies long after we've been paid like our one-time fee for it. Yeah, it's I, kind of fucked up too. You go on a bike. Effectively paid a retainer to sit there and write stuff. Mm-hmm. 
like no matter how well it did or didn't do like it's just like yeah man that's what yeah we're gonna make sure you can go to the doctor if you want you got to pay a little extra to go to the dentist or the eye doctor but (laughs) optometrist is you know as they are called but yeah I mean, no, if I remember both Bernie presidential runs well, and he was very concerned with eyeglasses, he would say the word eyeglasses and then point at his own eyeglasses. It was a big sticking point for him. Part of why we needed Medicare for all was so that everyone could get eyeglasses. Yeah. If you can't see, how can you see the lies, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And once you get that third eye open, that's that's like a 50% increase in the cost of your glasses. Slava, what are your thoughts on this? You were about to say something. Yeah, so yeah, Slava's got free healthcare. He don't know about these struggles. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I was going to say, like, yeah, I hate when I try to find something that I wrote and then I click open and then it goes, FYI, this article is five years old. But then also they've added a thing that lets you listen to that article with like the AI uh, voiceover that they've added. Have you seen this? I haven't seen Listen to Young Dolph. <laughs> <laughs> The gritty street narratives of young Thugga. Yeah, exactly. But no, I was also going to say, like, ride in that pussy, like, in <laughs> is how the song starts. Like, yeah. It, it's just weird because, like, w- when we signed up to do this, we were just like, okay, let's post something stupid online and then post it on Twitter and have something to tweet about. But now it's like, okay, well, AI has actually been learning off of the things that are online which includes the the stupid thing that you wrote for College Humor or Thought Catalog back in 2013. Dude, um, let me tell you, if I had known how this was going to end up, man, I probably would have just stayed in, like, marketing for finance and financial places and all. I would have been married with a kid right now, making probably, like, a quarter million at least a year. Goddamn, would not know anything about leftism, so I would not be a hypocrite if I went back to <laughs> <laughs> would have been, I would I would have just stayed like dumb as shit out here thinking Obama was the best president we ever had and my life would be so much more simple but yeah oh, like this team and they're just sort of moving them around like that um, the thinking seemingly being that you need four like a top four kind of sounds right that's a good you know it's a good number kind of what we have in england kind of like somewhat competitive yeah yeah it makes it competitive and so then eventually what you have is like a team full of glittering superstars at at the top four clubs and then like some of the other clubs each have like a pretty good player like a handful of pretty good players from abroad and then a a hand like a smattering of good saudi players look the saudi players are no joke like they they beat argentina they beat the world champions at the world cup that the world champions won so like that they're not a piss take um but all of that's kind of by the by because it's the, it's the, it's the ethical. I, I suppose it's the ethical consideration. I guess this is kind of where Drew comes in because it is, um, like the, the parallel between what's just happened with Live Golf and the PGA Tour and what's happening, in what's seemingly about to happen in, in professional f- football soccer, is Slaver. You you know about the concept of sport washing. Sport washing? Is that where you kind of launder your money by buying sports teams that fail on purpose? You launder your reputation. It's not so much your money as it is your reputation. Yeah. Oh, well, isn't that just the way that things have always worked with that? Is that no, like, is that just a a new word for a a thing that's always been around? It is. It's like, this is is on a much different scale than it's ever been done. It's like, 
this isn't just like an American owner going and buying like a team in a foreign country or something. And this is like people with direct government ties going into places. And uh, it's kind of like what it's sort of like what Abramovich did at Chelsea, which like kind of started this whole era of this. But he was like, you know, tangentially, not even tangentially, like directly connected to Putin, but it wasn't Putin owning the club. And uh, you have, damn, somebody's fucking up outside my house. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's like these state-owned entities or state-affiliated entities going in and uh, using these teams and investing a bunch of money in them to make them the best teams. Like sometimes legally, a lot of times they're, you know, dodging rules in certain ways. Like Man City, who got bought out about a decade ago, they have 115 counts of like financial improprieties against them right now. So but Saudi soccer Arabia- as a whole is like super corrupt, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. But like, it, I don't, I can't remember it ever being like this in your face. It, mm. It's where it's like people are just like, nah, nah, boo, boo. We're going to do it. And you can't stop us because we have more money than God. Yeah. I think, but I think that corruption is, um, it's, it's not as, it is insidious, but I think what Trey said is absolutely right. But like Ray Rato said this recently that like having an unlimited amount of money and really wanting to get something done is kind of undefeated in the history of all things, not just sports. Like if you have, they, they, they've said that the, the investment fund is going to put forward $750 billion towards investing in sports. If you have $750 billion to spend and you want to get something done, you fucking get it done. Like that's always been the case. And that, that corruption could just as easily apply to basketball and, and football, which it will soon, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just have a question. Do you think mm-hmm. that they'll just have, turn around and buy the MLS? Like what stops them from doing that? <coughs> do, you, do you think at some point morals kick in or like some kind no. of sense of patriotism no. kicks in? Well, you, I mean, look, but I, I think well, it, part, of, part of what's going on right now is Saudi is trying to prepare a bid for the 2030 World Cup. And so to make Saudi Arabia more attractive and like as a host and stuff, they need like a like proper league and stuff. And they need. Yeah. So that's why, like, well, there's a few reasons why Ronaldo ended up there back in what was it? January. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, mainly because he also didn't have a club in Europe to go to after that shit he pulled with Piers Morgan. And then he's just also it's not a good idea for him to come to the U.S. at all. Right. Um, Yeah. But wait, why? Why is that? What do you oh, mean by these things? You probably get um, super sued if you say anything, Trey. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So allegedly, as it was reported in a, a German newspaper, is uh, there are certain claims against Cristiano Ronaldo, which look to be pretty, uh, pretty substantial, mainly because he admitted to it in a police report. And there was a payment outside of court. And uh, recently, like people have been calling for those charges to be brought back up. Yeah. And if he touches, yeah, that's like part of the reason, like the teams he played for hasn't, haven't really been doing like us preseason tours and shit. And yeah. Yeah. It's the Ronaldo. I mean, they, and they, they just backed the truckload of money up to him and, and, and dumped on him and he went over yeah. there and, and they still finished second in the league, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, 
Also, like back in uh, December, he went on an interview with Piers Morgan to talk about how shit Manchester United was, like as he was still playing for them. Right. Okay. Was, yeah. So he, no other club in Europe wanted him because it's like, nah, we're not going to put up with that shit. MLS could have been a big money move, but nah. So like he pretty much only had Saudi Arabia to go to. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's what I think it it, it comes down to. It, it, there's also, there is this, the sports watching element is very real. They are trying to launder their reputation. Um, the Saudi government is also, I think, trying to like invest in something that isn't just like gas. Um, like trying to like diversify its portfolio essentially. And this is a pretty good way of doing it. Like if you're going to pump billions of dollars into anything like soccer, golf, anything like that, the, the growth is, could be exponential. I mean, golf's a little bit of a trickier one. Um, and you get fucking rubes who are going to defend you. So if you bring up Jamal Khashoggi, for example, in, in criticism of, of the Saudi government and the investment fund, people would just, you know, fans of um, fans of Newcastle United who are now owned by effectively the Saudi government will will say will, will fight back because they think you're attacking their club and their traditions and their their mm. father who took them to games. And so you you buy more and more people in the same way that in golf you've now got like a you've got a direct line to a particular um, demographic, mostly aging white guys, uh, mostly the like typically more right-leaning who are going to tune in and watch the Masters and shit like that or, or watch like your average yeah. NBA event. And- well, it's funny <clears throat> about the kind of thing you were saying about, uh, you know, people defending the Saudi government because about the Khashoggi thing because they like it's like their club or whatever that completely did not work with live golf uh when they were like first getting started up they had this guy named greg norman who is an australian retired golfer he was like uh what tiger woods was to the 90s and early 2000s he was to golf in like the 80s um, like he was the first superstar golfer who would like fly around on a jet and own a boat. Um, and so the Saudis and like everybody in pro golf, like thinks he's an asshole and, but he's really famous and he's a name. And so the Saudis, the public investment fund recruits him to be the commissioner of live golf. And like the first interview he does not probably not literally the first, but like one of the first interviews he does, someone's like, so why would you work with, uh, you know, a nation that kills journalists and he doesn't miss a fucking beat. He just goes, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And then just keeps it moving. <laughs> and this, I mean, this is what happens with Bryson DeChambeau the other day on, on, I think CNN, where yes, him about it. And like, I, I can say without putting the word allegedly in front of it, that Bryson DeChambeau is a fucking idiot. Like he's just a fucking idiot. And that's okay. Yes. He's, like, he's not paid to be anything other than a fucking idiot. He's paid to be a guy who like out muscles golf courses by just like having big biceps. Like he's, he's a, he's a dumb, dumb guy. And that more than other dumb guys is typically used for evil. But like saying nobody's perfect about Mohammed bin Salman is genuinely objectively funny. Like it's really yeah. genuine, uh, but and not even the funniest thing he said in that interview where he was like, Jeffrey Dahmer, like nobody's perfect." Like, yeah, exactly. Just like, hey, we all make mistakes. But then also saying, um, like when he was quit, he was asked about nine eleven because obviously the like 
Jay Monaghan, the, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, mm-hmm. or, you know, he courted the 9-11 families last year and saying like, well, you know, you've never had to apologize for being part of the PGA Tour. And now, you know, look at these families. And then, of course, when the, when the sums get high enough, he goes like, oh, yeah, we'll sell. Fuck those guys. And Bryson DeChambeau basically gets on CNN and he's like, look, guys, 9-11 was a long time ago. Yes. Oh, we. Yeah, for real. And it's like, he says, like, we have to move on. Like, guys. And he doesn't even say, like, hey, as far to the best of my knowledge, the Saudi government had no involvement in, in the 9 11 attacks. He's just like, yeah, man. Get look, over it. Like, and it was a long time ago. So let's all just grow up and put our big boy hats on and, like, let's just, like, just forget about 9 11. And that, that. I love that. Right. I love that Bryson DeChambeau literally used the why you got to bring up old shit defense <laughs> to talk about 9-11. Right. That's bold. That's it really so is. weird. But it's bold, in a, it's, a, it's, it's bold in a way that makes total sense when you've just spent the last year and a half in his case taking shit for the golf, and then it turns out that everybody who claimed they had any ethics or morals about it, and not your Rory McIlroy's or your Tiger Woods's who, who maybe did and, and like maybe like we don't know probably did have like deep ethical concerns about this i'm sure they had their own agendas too deep ethical concerns but like the people who mattered the people who were signing the papers they were fucking lying the whole time it didn't matter you've just seen the you've just seen morals just that completely fall apart that nobody around you has any and you can just you can go on tv and be like forget about 9-11 man it doesn't really matter and you know there's not going to be pushback on that because you're just surrounded by completely amoral crooks and this is or immoral even and this is where it like the live golf thing is instructive, not just in the way that, yeah, you're going to end up with maybe fucking Riyad Mahrez or N'Golo Kante or whoever, whichever soccer player they try and bring into, or however many dozens they bring into the Saudi league and pay up. And however many players will have to toe the party line when the World Cup inevitably gets given to Saudi Arabia for 2030. And everybody says like, hey, I don't really know about this. I'm not a politician and, and stuff like that while they, you know they take away people's pride flags like they did in Qatar and stuff like that. What, what for, for all of that stuff, there's, there's the real threat that they will take the, the same thing will happen in, in football as happened in golf. And people aren't talking about that enough because I think that people assume, even the people within football assume that they're immortal and they assume that they're the ones in control from the invention of the premier league in 1992 onwards. The, the people in, at the top of this have always assumed that they're in control. And so in England, they assume it's an English game and in Spain, they assume it's a Spanish game, even as they farm out certain games to Saudi Arabia. What they haven't realized is in the same way as the PGA tour, the, the governance of, of football, of modern football, is so corrupt is one way of yes it is deeply like fifa is a deeply corrupt organization allegedly (laughs) but the for all of that they don't they don't realize okay so with the champions league final fans are complaining of being treated like cattle right liverpool fans the year before talk about like fearing that another hillsborough disaster might happen that people might die in a crush because the the french police are treating them again like cattle forcing them into tiny spaces um, the death of the European Super League now means that more money is going to be funneled to the biggest clubs. Smaller clubs are getting inched out, pushed out. People, yes, Manchester City are ignoring financial fair play regulations, but so are fucking Everton. Like every club's ignoring it. Every the fans are being treated like shit. Not just physically, but like more and more money. It costs a thousand pounds to get a season ticket at Fulham. Yeah, you know shit, we are. We've I've got a shirt in that drawer that says we were 
third division runners up and they embroidered that into a jersey because they were proud of it. Like, <laughs> you're charging for a fucking season ticket. Fans are being treated like shit. Players Wait, Alex, I have to interrupt, but uh, how much did a Fulham season ticket cost when you were growing up? I mean, I, I don't know how much the season ticket cost because I let my mum buy it for me when I was a kid. But I remember getting into games for a pound on a weeknight. Like you go to a phone game for a pound in, in the seats with my where my family sat. It would have been a couple of hundred quid probably, which is still, you know, in Germany, they wouldn't allow it to be anything more than that. So for, mm. as you do more, and then the players are also being screwed increasingly just to meet the demands, to meet, to meet financial demands and TV demands. Players are having to play more and more games in a shorter amount of time. I was listening to something today. Kylian Mbappe has played 40% more games than Thierry Henry had played at the same age. Jude Bellingham has played about 35% more than Wayne Rooney had played at the same age. Like players are just being forced and it's resulting in injuries, especially in the women's game, but in the men's game too. Players are burning out. Their careers are ending sooner. They're getting pissed off. The managers are pissed off with it eventually somebody with a shitload of money an oil rich nation state will come in and just provide an alternative they'll do exactly what people did with the pga tour they'll say look you don't like the pga tour because they don't give you enough of a cut of their of their money it's not fun the crowds aren't really raucous in the way they could be you don't you don't earn enough so we can give you more money and we'll give you more break the biggest thing is they weren't allowed to wear shorts (laughs) right (laughs) Let people wear shorts, you know? It's, so until you, until they start listening to that stuff, they, they are in the same way that, without meaning to blow this conversation too far open, but like in the same way that the Democratic Party or Democratic institutions in America are open to this kind of stuff. Like if you piss people off for long enough and you treat them like shit for long enough and you get arrogant and hubristic for long enough, somebody will come in with a populist angle and they will just say, yeah, man, look, we, we're going to start... European Super League was just botched because they were, they were stupid about it. But if, if, you're, if you're the Saudi Arabian investment fund with $750 billion to spend, you take a chunk of that and you say, cool, look, the big teams just play each other all the time. That's what fans want. And we'll give you like a guaranteed week off between games. We'll pay the players more. And hell, maybe even the fans can get in for less money because God knows we're bankrolling it enough. And then all of a sudden, you know what? Maybe you don't take... Maybe you don't try and do what they did before. Maybe you don't take Arsenal and Liverpool and, and, and Spurs and, and Barcelona and Real Madrid. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you take 40 clubs, 50 clubs from around Europe and you just start it that way in the same way that you don't necessarily get Tiger Woods or, or, or Rory McIlroy, but you get Bryson Deschambeau and you get Brooks Kepka and you just, you build. And then the next thing you know, you merge and you have that, you have that merger, which is obviously a takeover. Yes, that is that is the most that is the funniest thing is that the PGA Tour is spinning this as a win right. when because they get more board seats initially, but the public investment fund gets uh, their their head guy is going to be the head of the board, and they have an option to invest like more and more and more, and the more they invest, the more board seats they get. And so, you know, soon enough, even Rory McIlroy, the number one 9-11 acknowledger (laughs) in the world, is going to be saying, like, why you got to bring up old shit? Because because and he's got to get his paycheck signed, right? And there's not really Mm -hmm. an option. There's not like a rival breakaway league now he can even go to. He can't go to one at a time by somebody else. So that 
and he can't play in Europe or Asia or, you know, South America or Canada because he is just too good. Right. And so he's like stuck. And if you watch this press conference he did prior to the RBC Open, he he just looked like like you couldn't see anything below his like torso. And it looked like his chair was made out of like needles. <laughs> and he was just like, well, uh, I feel super hypocritical. Uh, I guess this is good because like the lawsuits that PGA tour and live have against each other will be dropped. And that's like a big fucking headache. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's the thing. So who's it's- the biggest winner and the biggest loser in all this? Uh, Saudi Arabia is the biggest winners and everybody else is kind of the biggest losers. Yes. And like, I mean, Saudi Arabia and the teams they're buying and leagues they're buying are the biggest winners. I would say the biggest winner is Bryson DeChambeau. Um, actually, no, the biggest winner is Brooks Kepka because he signed with Live Golf when he couldn't, he was like hurt and, or like re, rehabbing from an injury or something. And he was playing like shit. And, he sort of used the live golf a year of live golf to convalesce and get better. And now he's just kicking ass. And yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that you're right, Alex, like, you know, I think the big live golf proposition was basically like saying like, listen, the only tournaments that people actually watch are the majors and you guys on the PGA tour will still be allowed to play in the majors. So, you know, why don't you accept a guaranteed $200 million to wear shorts while listening to Avicii? Yeah. Uh, and join a course. team called the snakes or something. And, yes. Yeah. And, and like wear team branding ideas, which they've all completely scrapped now because they realize like nobody wants to listen to Avicii on the golf course and <laughs> dumb. And they just, they've just scrapped the team concept and that kind of shit. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the sad thing is that this is is the is the powerlessness that fans feel, and obviously, you know, golf isn't as, as fan oriented as as football. The heritage is there with, with the sport, of course, for players, but for for individuals like relating to a team, perhaps being brought up there, or even growing up miles away, and and still like caring about a team and, and investing in it like emotionally. Um, the sad thing is the inevitability of this and the fact that this is all going to be, that piece, pieces of this are going to be sold off and eventually it's all going to be, it's all going to just be, everything is going to become live golf. And the only way to avoid that may have already gone. We may have already gone past the point where we could have. But if I could be, if I could be a football fan in any country, I'd be a football fan in Germany because they... And- when ticket prices go above 22 euros, they take to the streets like the French <laughs> when they're told that their pensions are drying up. Like they refuse to travel to games. They write very clever and nasty things about the owners of clubs who they accuse of being like like grifters and, and like corrupt individuals because they're charging like 25 bucks for away tickets and they don't include uh, public transport in the price of a ticket. Like the Germans will absolutely riot if they have, if, if the, if the, if the, if the the foundation of their football community is threatened in even the smallest way. 
And that's why Bayern Munich weren't in- interested in the Super League a couple of years ago. They just went like, no, we don't need this. We're good. We- we're happy here. Um, they don't attract the world's greatest players. They don't attract... Like, Erling Haaland was there for a couple of years and then he goes to Man City. Does it matter to a fucking Dortmund fan that the world- one of the world's greatest strikers isn't playing there? No, because they still get to go to the club every week. They still get to watch it. They can afford it. You can take your kids. They... they- they won't have this shit sold out from under them. And if they do, like people's lives will be threatened because they won't just let the league be sold off. And in England and Spain, places like that, the own like the English did for once, like England English football fans did rise up two years ago against the Super League. They, they, um, I can't believe I had to say like good job to Man U fans, man. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, and but Liverpool fans, I mean, I had to do it with Chelsea fans, but it's so miserable to realize that they were only going to do it at once. And the moment that that tiny little bit of like fans taking to the streets to protest against what they thought was like anti-competitive spirit and, and the selling out of the game from underneath them completely fucking evaporates when Manchester United are like, sure, but with Sheikh Jassim in charge of us, we could finally do what we want and, and spend money as if you haven't spent half a billion pounds over the last five years on just complete fucking dross anyway. Like we all need to, we all need to be okay with being a bit shit, basically. We all, and if football fans could just get off Twitter for 10 minutes and just deal with that, then this threat of the game being sold out from under them or being bought out from under them in a hostile takeover would, I think, if not evaporate, um, at least not seem completely immortal. Okay, okay I have an idea. Alex. Okay, but Alex, hmm. who did 9-11? Well, look, I think the point is that it was a long time ago. And it, <laughs> I and who's to say? I mean, you know, I, they're just trying to be a better ally. That's true. Yeah, this is actually this is actually really a labor issue, um, <laughs> and they are being allies to workers. Yeah, um, loosening dress codes, um, you know, guaranteeing paychecks. Um, you know, they're really they're really trying to get golfers health insurance. That's the main um, thing. You know, move them. Move him off to uh, W nine. Get him. Get him W two. Yep. Yeah. Fucking guaranteed three percent pay raise every year. Or... Yeah. Yep. Yep. Got to yep. keep up with inflation, man. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. And you know, pro golfers—they're like Uber drivers, man. They're gig workers right now, and yeah. you know, PGA won't even play in California because of the laws. So you know, some of these that's guys. True. Some of these guys. I, I see one of my fellow freelancers. <laughs> Some of these guys don't know where their next 300 grand is coming from. And it just exactly breaks my heart. heart. Yeah. And, you know, these uh, these sponsor paychecks, you know, they're drying up. They're getting replaced with unlimited free equipment. And, you know, a new PXG driver only goes for like eleven hundred bucks on eBay. And if you've only got a hundred of them. You know, that's a lot of, you're losing a cut of that because, you know, you're paying for shipping. Exactly. You do the math. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Workers unite, baby. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Yeah, we may as well jump right into it, man. Yeah. Uh, Just because I I feel like... First thing we do, I guess, is introduce ourselves because nobody has said anybody's name on this yet. (laughs) 
True, true. Uh, I'm Slava P. I am... Actually, you know what I think would actually be really interesting? If we talk about uh, when we started working for Vice and when we got fired, because that is how we all know each other. Uh, so I am Slava P. I started working for Vice in 2013, and I got fired in February 2016 when I was 25 years old. <laughs> uh, I am Drew Millard. I started working for Vice in October 2012. And I quit Vice in order to not get fired in February 2016 when I was 25 or 26. Yeah, I can't remember. I turned 34 tomorrow. I feel weird. <laughs> well, happy early birthday, first and foremost. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is the greatest gift I will be getting uh, is to reunite with you guys performatively on a video call uh i'm trey smith freelancing since 2014 hired full-time 2016 fired november 2022 or laid off hey man i guess there's a difference what a fucking run bro what a run you you were like there's one person i know who is still there but you you lasted the longest, and you also did the most things there. Yeah, like only things I didn't do over there were probably like working in the IT department in the C suite. But <laughs> yeah, how, how much did, beer do you think you sold? Like, how much beer do you think you were personally responsible for selling? Uh, significant amount. Significant amount. Do you do any spawn con? Yeah. Well, well, you know, speak of the devil, Coachella uh, was this weekend. And last year I went to uh, go hawk some Ray-Bans with the cameras in them. Oh, the Facebook ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what were they like? Can you recommend them? Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no free sponsorships on Nersey. All right. They got to pay for that shit. You know what? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Don't take, don't give your opinion on anything that you could buy in stores. All I'm gonna say is they're definitely sunglasses and they definitely take photos. Okay, <laughs> that does like raise the possibility that this is like technology sourced from like DARPA or Skunk Works or whatever, or MI six from James Bond. Man, remember Google Glass? Like, I really yes. wish that took off more. Oh, because it does the same shit. What's up? The fucking sand scanners with the uh yeah, yeah, I remember that shit. Yeah, that shit was tight. Every time I saw someone with them at when I was like out, I would always ask to take a picture with them. Um and I people did not appreciate it because I think they kind of in their souls knew that it was bad and like that was sort of confirmation of that fact you know what like is a big indicator of the future uh in in as far as like um guys who have been in jail since like 9 11 and then like a guard walks by and he has an apple watch that to them is like the scariest newest technology because they're like it's a fucking phone which they already don't understand but it's on your wrist so you know 
you, it, it helps to keep things in that context. Cameras and glasses, yeah, cool, but um, pretty mediocre compared to a fucking phone on your wrist. I can understand being completely terrified of that. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I've never done hard time, but, like, working in music and stuff, like, the first time I had, like, heard hyper pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Dirk had a song, or he had a verse on, like, a Drake song, and, um... He revealed something about himself. Where? What? Okay. All right. Well, okay. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> first off, thing. I want to say that Nerzy is not a podcast that does kink shaming. However, oh no, we're not shaming at all. This is about a celebration of kink right now. Like, <laughs> like, as someone who sat down and, you know, speaking to Kevin Gates, uh, sat down and heard some of the wildest shit in my life a few years ago interviewing Kevin Gates. It's nice to see other people coming out and support and be like, nah, man, I like this shit too. Like, have you ever, you, I'm not going to go in that deep into it, but it's nice to hear rappers say shit that they wouldn't have said like a decade ago out of fear of, you know, being shamed. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there, or I feel like there was a time when my YouTube homepage algorithm uh, just kept serving me video after video of you, Trey, talking to Kevin Gates. Like, how many times have you made a YouTube video with that guy? Once. Okay. Well, they yeah. kept giving it a different headline or something. Yeah. So, okay. So the full story behind that was uh, it was a Friday during the summer. Kevin Gates was supposed to show up around like noon for the interview. And I was like, okay. So... He'll be here at noon, which really means he'll be here around like 12.30, 12.45. So I'll pop an edible by then, do this interview. And by the time I'm out the interview, uh, edible will have kicked in and I go enjoy my summer Friday. Um, Kevin Gates showed up around two. I was about to say, as someone who has arranged interviews in an office with Kevin Gates before, he did not show up on time. Yeah, we didn't get started until about 2.30, and uh, I'm in the throes of this shit. And um, if anybody wants to go look up this interview, you can. It's a noisy interview from about 2019. You can probably also just scroll through Instagram for enough of it. But you prefer it when it's raining outside, when it's like real dry heat or like humidity, like right in the middle. Oh, my God. Can I be explicit in nature? Say whatever, yeah, yeah. If it's humid, I want to just get 
that coconut oil, that the virgin coconut oil, like the liquid kind, the 100%, and put it in a spray bottle. And I want to go outside in my backyard, and I want to put some latex gloves on, you heard me? And I want a big booty to just bend over outside, and I want to spray that with that bottle while I punch that dick in from the back. I'm sorry, that's just what I like to do. I like to fuck outside. Yeah, he... I knew he was quite the interviewee, but I did not expect him to answer some of my... I didn't even, like, line up questions for him to say some of this shit, but he started, like, things involving black gloves and coconut oil and clearings in the woods and talking about how he's like an elephant because his trunk is in the front, too, and... <laughs> Yeah, I, I could have been like completely not high, and I wouldn't have known how to respond to some of this shit. But yeah, <laughs> how high were you? How many milligrams was the edible? Uh, I took about fifteen milligrams, so it wasn't crazy, but it was just like That's you know, lot. I wasn't. It was yeah, Kevin Gates yeah. for Kevin Gates interaction. Mm. Kevin was. Gates has a thought stopping effect on people. Like he says things. <laughs> This short circuit your mind. Like I once interviewed him uh, at a mall. He like took me shopping for an interview I did with him. And at one point uh, he just starts talking about how much he loves Twilight, which I was prepared for because he has rapped about like Twilight. He has an entire song about Edward and Bella war with God. And he's definitely rapped about Nicholas Sparks before and I was like oh you're from Louisiana uh do you also like True Blood and he was like no I was born under a full moon I'm a werewolf I see it yeah and all you can do you can really do is be like oh okay Tell me more about that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Also, he was. We were having this conversation as he was trying on red bottoms. Sick. Yeah. Like the spiky ones. Uh, I don't know. I just remember we were in the Louboutin store, um, talking about werewolves and moons and stuff. And I think he like said that I was born under a full moon like a couple times throughout the day. Was that you were? He was saying this. He was saying that you were born under a full moon. No, no, no. He was saying that he was born under a full moon. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Do you think yeah. he like he definitely knows his birth chart off by heart? Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's like a big zodiac guy. I'm kind of like a zodiac guy. And, like, the crazy thing about Kevin Gates is, like, he'll say all this wild stuff and then just pop up with the wisest thing you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because, like, after uh, I did the interview, I stuck around. I was like, I just got to hear him talk some more because they were doing uh, the people's verse with him. Mm -hmm. And there was one comment where he, like, somebody asked him to give advice to, like, his nephew who's still in the streets and, like, needs to get out. And Kevin Gates, like, he gave this whole thing about his life. He's like, and then I realized, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And my high ass is sitting there like, oh, shit. <laughs> I still think about that phrase, like, to this day. Just, if nothing changes, nothing changes.
Oh, when he just uh, when he just told that story about how he uh, rubbed his hands together and charged a woman's car battery, and he was like, "Say nothing of this." I believe <laughs> that. I genuinely believe oh, that. Yeah. Happened. I I mean, why would he lie about that? Exactly. Exactly. It's a weird thing to lie about. It feels like easily like disproven. <laughs> what is this? And and then he also say like, "Yo, I swear on my child." Yep, that's exactly why I believe him. When Kevin Gates said that he started the car battery with his bare hands. And he he swore on his child about this. Yeah, he said, like, I, he also, he says stuff like that a lot. Because, like, I think during one of my interview or my interview with him, he was like, yo, may God strike me down right now if I'm lying. And I'm okay. like, okay, well, I'm still talking to you, so, yeah. yeah. Do you still think that's a good idea? Listen to the kids. I don't know what listen to the kids is. <laughs> is that a motto? Whose motto is that? I used to say it all the time. I feel like Complex in like 2013 to 15 was listen built around a motto. Bro. Listen to the kids. Virgil used to say it. Fucking, I'm sure Drake has even said it. I mean, you still listen to the kids. It's just like the kids are having a rough time right now. Just listen to like the kids who make good music, not like those kids. Those aren't even kids. How old is Cardi? I feel like Cardi's like. What kid should we listen to? He's 38. <laughs> <laughs> I love that trend a few years ago on Twitter. People just like saying that Rich the Kid was like 42. <laughs> like just random rappers. <laughs> like Nav is 48. Like, that was when I was thinking, like, yeah, Nav uh, has an AARP card. <laughs> And yeah, <laughs> Nav, Nav was around for, for the first Cool Herc party. Yeah. <laughs> he gave Cool Herc the, the green light. <laughs> it's just a stupid trend. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But anyways. Uh, so what's um, no, saying, certain be, certain, saying certain people are older than they actually are will always be funny. Yeah. Who's a kid we should listen to then? Oh, um, well, well, in Drew's case, Yeet. Yeet. You should listen to Yeet just for, like, I feel, cultural awareness. Like, All right. The way the way I would listen to, like, I don't know. I can't think of an opposite example. Um, fish. Uh, you ever listen to Batman? I almost went to a fish concert this week, actually. Someone is, like, trying to make me go to this fish concert. For, like, you should go to a fish show. They're, like, fun. Like No, I almost went, but then I got King Cruel tickets, so I'm going to go to that instead. And yeah, fish tickets were a hundred dollars. Mario, that was crazy. I was like, I can't. Oh no, no, no! King Cruel. Yeah, from t- tomorrow. Oh, from Donkey Kong and England. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Gotcha. No. Wait, yeah, actually, dude. King Cruel's voice coming out of King Cruel's face remains one of the funniest things in the world to me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> crazy. It's. I mean, that's why I still like want to see him. I think it's just like, I feel like I haven't really like been that passionate about his music in a while but i just like want to see that man like i want to see like that voice emanate from that redhead's like mouth. <laughs> are you gonna be That's sad are you gonna be sad if it turns out he has some sort of like box that he runs his voice through to make it sound like that <laughs> oh he's not fibbing he's definitely not fibbing okay like, i've seen videos and stuff What does the vice officer in Williamsburg find itself to? The farmer's dog. I was talking with a friend earlier, and it'd be really funny if it became like a Target or a TJ Maxx. <laughs> it's just like a, a very nice outdoor cafe or some shit.
I would love if it actually reverted back to being 285 Kent, like the venue. <laughs> oh, it just becomes like a squatter spot. Exactly. Yeah. I want it to be a CBGBs, but like not the original CBGBs, the ones that are in airports now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe they could turn it into a Vice store that just sold Mm. like Spencer's Gift style shit. Yeah, that'd be tight. I'd buy some stuff. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, I, have a, I have a weekly call with my friend who's in jail. He's been in jail since nine eleven, and he asked Whoa. me to do something with the chat. Chief. Like, yeah, he saw nine eleven happen on the j- on the jail TV. Holy shit! Goddamn. And yeah, he he. The crazy thing is, like, there's a chance he didn't do it, but there's no sense in getting into it now. But um, he was asking me to get ChatGPT to write something about snuff bottles for him. What yeah, is which is snuff like an bottles? They're the, the things that um, people in Asia back in the 1800s would do opium out of. So they're kind of like little things. Uh, this guy makes money uh, while he's in jail by uh, bidding on auction houses like um, Soho or Sotheby's. What? So he'll get he'll get their catalog sent to him. He'll download it on a floppy disk because that's the only technology you can get. And then he will look through it. And because he knows what the trends are, because they move so slowly, um, he's able to like flip things from one auction market to another. So wow. uh, snuff bottles was a thing that he was really into. And uh, he asked me to use chat GPT to write him something about snuff bottles. And he, his mind was blown. Like he, he understands the potential of it um, immediately. So you but have a friend yeah. who is an antiquarian who has been incarcerated since at least uh, mid two thousand. Who yeah, is dude. like and he think Fraser Crane, but he's been in jail the whole time. I want to ask what he did so badly, but I really don't want to know. Okay, do you want to? Do you, I'm going to tell you. He killed an antique dealer. What? Oh my but god! Here's the thing. Is allegedly, this, is this one of those lies you used to tell it that he really like when you told us they call Look it up. I, I looked it up. Okay. I got a phone in jail and looked it up. And and he and here's the craziest thing. He was convicted for murder without a body. The body was found a few months later, and the only reason they went so hard is because the antique dealer, his brother, was a cop. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, bro. But there's like there's no footage of this guy dragging the body out. There's like um, their biggest tie to proof was like there's blood in the back of the rental car, but it's like it's a rental car. There's blood in the back of every rental car. Yeah, exactly. It's not that's not like enough to put a guy away. And he's maintained his innocence the whole time. Oh, my God. And he's just been like he's been grinding and hustling the entire time, just building his empire. And not only that, he's a sick baker. He makes like these eclairs that were awesome. So every Sunday I would go over to his range and I got a subscription to The New Yorker. Because uh, you can get a subscription to two magazines. So I got The New Yorker and The Economist. Every time I would finish with The New Yorker, I'd give it to him. And we would then discuss it with tea every Sunday and like some kind of baked good. Canadian jail is just like 
Man. Trey, I'm going to let you finish that because you were shaking your head too. <laughs> man. Man, dudes rock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw the news. I just saw it, but like, shout out to everybody over—not everybody over at Motherboard, but a good contingent of Motherboard starting their own company. Four hundred four Media. Yeah, four hundred four Media, man. Y'all go subscribe to that. All three people who listen to this podcast. Apparently, hundreds of people in Sweden. We honestly should have gotten this exact same write-up from the New York Times after Vice's downfall. Top journalists start their own music-adjacent (laughs) podcast. <laughs> this is bullshit. They're not going to run the same story twice. We lost our fucking edge. I don't ever don't. I don't ever want to be like mentioned in the New York Times, man. Wait, hold on a second. My mom's calling. <laughs> hey, mom, can I call you back? Um, I'm recording my podcast right now. Uh, I'm not sure, but I saw your text. And can you imagine giving I birth to a child and them saying those words to you one day. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, okay. Leah, Les- Leslie's in the game. She, yeah, she might. Yeah. All right. Love you, Mom. Bye. One day my son might be a podcast bro. Podcast too. <laughs> That's how he's going to work through the trauma of what you said earlier on this episode. Qualified <laughs> correctly. Um, I, I forgot to take my other earbud out, and I heard you making <laughs> fun of me, Trey, as I'm talking to my mom, and I'm like, Try, I was like trying not to like laugh. I'm not sorry. It's okay. What are like the most like, you know, American jail style experiences that you had? Okay, so the perfect example. Have you ever seen the show 60 Days In? No, no. It's on A and E, which you get in jail, and okay. it's about an American jail in America where they've put some people who are like former police officers or just normal civilians, and they put them in jail to see if they could make it for sixty days. What? What? So everybody and you're doing in jail competing for money. No, no, no. There's no money involved. (laughs) This is like the purpose of this is that so they could identify points where they can improve the facilities because you get out and then you rat to the warden and you're like, boom, this is what I was able to do. There was actually one guy who came in and he started running things. (laughs) And yeah, bro, it's a good show. But check this out. This show takes place in like an American style prison. Now, provincially, So kind of like our state facilities are built after uh, American style prisons. So when you're in provincial jail in Canada, you are more or less in the same type of jail that you would be in in America. You have Mm -hmm. the same fucking cells, orange jumpsuit, uh, octagonal tables with those uncomfortable benches, pretty much like a one to one clone. Mm-hmm. But I was only in that facility for like 17 days. And then I went right to federal because my charge is a federal charge. But uh, to go back to it, that show being really big in jail in Canada at the federal level made people believe that they were running a similar show in Canada. And they started accusing people of being on 60 Days In. <laughs> oh, my God. In Canadian prison. 
<laughs> because of a show they saw at A and E. So this was just like that's set in like Louisiana. What? This was like a psyop to keep you all from like organizing and stuff. No, that's the craziest thing. There's like full prison unions and shit. They're actually pretty well organized. But uh, that's like the thing is like you get paid in jail, but part of it goes towards the union and like the union pays for cable. That's why you have such a good cable package. The union fought for that shit. I, I love like the idea of turning to prison and like Salem during the witch trials and shit. Yeah. Like, well, he's a witch. He's a witch. Like, yeah. You know how you keep that from happening is something called the paperwork party. Okay. And there's uh there's actually a babyface Ray song called Paperwork Party. It has Jack Harlow on it, but just like fight through it. <laughs> um <laughs> the idea being like you get a, you get like full scap paperwork with your charges on it, and you're supposed to carry that on you. And like if anyone asks like why you're there, you can always show it to them. Because uh, if you're like a pedophile or a sex offender, there's shit on there that you don't want people to see. Mm. Um so that was like really the biggest one. But to go back to your your question of what's the most can American jail experience, it's people thinking that they're in American jail to the tune of like there being an A&E show filmed there. Because that was happening like season four of 60 Days In, people start to understand what's going on, right? Oh, prisoners, wow. are like, <laughs> prisoners are like, no, we get A&E in here too, eh? Like we see the show. But that makes sense. That paranoia makes sense in the States where that show is being filmed. It doesn't make sense in Canada. <laughs>